Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Everybody, welcome back to the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. This is Emma, and I am so pumped to introduce you guys to our special guest for today. We've got John Jorgensen on the mic. John is an author, speaker, spoken word poet, and his YouTube videos on his super popular channel have been viewed by over 20 million people. Uh, John partners with tons of organizations like Awana International, the Moody Bible Institute, the Willow Creek Association, and hundreds of other churches, colleges, and conferences all over the globe. John's spoken word poetry provides a dynamic and creative experience that captures the imagination of audiences everywhere. Um, As a former Broadway actor, Chicago native, and very lucky husband, John hopes to provide a fresh, unique voice to some of life's most difficult and challenging questions. Hello, John. Yes, thank you for having me. That bio always makes me sound infinitely more interesting than I actually am. So that will probably be the best part of this entire podcast, your read right there. No, no, you have so much wisdom to give us. You have so many different skills and things that you've been able to use for the kingdom, all having to do with theater and writing and speaking. And one thing that I love about your mission is that it totally lines up with our mission here at Near Way to Broadway with 1 Peter 4.10 and using our gifts for the glory of God. And I know that you have totally said that your mission is to inspire people to create for the kingdom. So let's just dive right in, shall we? So John, I would love to hear about your timeline. So I know you graduated and you studied acting and musical theater, and then you moved to New York, and I know that you spent a significant amount of time doing Mamma Mia on Broadway. So I would love to just hear your timeline of graduation to moving to New York to booking the show, how long you did the show. And then I would love just some insight on what was your spirit during that time? What did that look like? Was it a long process? Um, Kind of the casting of Mamma Mia in particular. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from school. When when I say school, I mean college uh, in 2013. Um, and the school that I went to, uh, they do a senior showcase in, uh, both New York and in LA. Um, and as a musical theater major, I was obviously way more interested in the New York scene. Um, and so I was lucky enough to get hooked up with an agent, uh, right out of showcase in New York, um, and basically came to a verbal agreement with them. We do, um, our New York showcase in March, like over spring break, and then LA is in until May. And so you kind of have a half semester of school to go back and basically not really pay much attention. Um, and, but for me, I was pretty sure that New York was where I wanted to be. And the, uh, and the agency that I was kind of verbally agreeing with, they also had an office in LA. So most of my time in LA then was more of just like, meeting them and exploring LA for a week, which was really fun. So I was lucky enough to to get that connection right out of school. The summer I graduated and the summer after I graduated, uh, I actually decided instead of going to New York right away, which is what most of my friends were doing. Um, they went right to New York, started, you know, auditioning, things like that. I decided to go home. Um, I decided to go back to Chicago. 
uh, and do one last summer living at my parents' house and doing all of the things that I loved to do so much um, during my summers home from school. I did not work. And when I say work, I mean um, in the theater. Like I didn't do any summer stocks or anything like that. Uh, For me, I kind of decided pretty early on in school that that was going, I was hoping that theater and performing was going to be the rest of my life. And so I was already doing so much of it at school. I said, you know what, I'd love to be able to just go home and be a normal person uh, for a little while and work my normal summer job and see my friends. Cause I knew hopefully moving forward, my career as an actor would be very demanding. It wouldn't afford me a ton of time to go home. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, and I ended up doing, you know, a couple small shows in Chicago that summer um, at some regional theaters there. Uh, but then at the end of the summer, I moved to New Jersey, actually. I moved in with my aunt and uncle. They live um, in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. And I would drive or take the train like an hour and a half into the city anytime I had an audition. Um, and because of, I was very fortunate to go to a reputable, you know, musical theater program, which then afforded me the opportunity to get in front of a really good agent, which then afforded me the opportunity to uh, start getting into rooms to be seen for Broadway shows and things like that for principal roles right away. Um, And a lot of people that I talk to who have gone to like one of these larger programs, um, they basically view it as like, it's basically a, a head start on a lot of other people. That's really what, it's not because I was any more talented or gifted or anything than anyone else. Um, Certainly maybe that played a role in me getting accepted to the program, but a lot of it is once you get out in the real world, it was just a five-year head start, you know, whereas a lot of people moved to New York with no representation or whatever. I was just lucky enough that I had that. And so that was getting me into rooms with the people who were making the calls for whether it was first national tours, whether it was, uh, you know, Broadway replacements, whatever it was. And there are sort of, as you probably know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners um, to this show know, there are kind of like only a handful of main casting offices in terms of Broadway in New York. Um, And for me, Tara Rubin is the office that does a lot of like the big, big musical type things like the they do Mamma Mia but they also do Les Mis Phantom of the Opera things like that and I just kept getting called in for Tara Rubin stuff just over and over um whether it was like I think it was a 25th anniversary national tour of Phantom I went in several times for that Les Mis the revival was just coming to Broadway at the time went in for that went in for a replacement in Phantom and finally after about two or three months um I went in for Mamma Mia And sure enough, um, that ended up being the thing that worked out. I got really close on Les Mis. I got really close on the Phantom thing. And though I got down to like two or three of us and then it just didn't work out. Um, But then the Mamma Mia thing ended up working out. Um, And so I got to replace the role of Sky in Mamma Mia. Um, And it just hit this point. And I've noticed this is a theme for a lot of friends of mine. Um whether it's for Broadway or whether it's for a TV casting director, any sort of casting office, it sort of hits a point where you realize they're a big fan of the work that I do. It's not a matter of if they're going to cast me in something. It's a matter of when. It's a matter of timing and it's a matter of fit. Um, And I was just lucky enough that that timing and that fit came not five months post-graduation. 
And so within a year of graduating, I was playing the role of Sky in Mamma Mia on Broadway. And I got to do that for almost two years until it closed in 2015. Yeah, that is so cool. I love it. So, you know, here you are pretty much fresh out of college, living what a lot of people would consider to be their dream, you know, a principal (laughs) role on Broadway, not too far out of their education. So what did that look like for you and your heart and your faith at that time? I know a lot of people either go one of two ways. Success can either bring, you know, this this gratitude and this intimacy with God, or it can kind of separate you from, you know, your need for him. So I would love to hear what was going on in your heart at that time, what your faith looked like, your routine as far as spending time with him looked like. Yeah. So what was your heart during that time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me during that time, um, my faith uh, whether it was, you know, the season where I was auditioning and really hungry for work or even beginning my contract with Mamma Mia, my faith from a personal standpoint, um, really thrived in certain ways. Um, I thrived in when we were talking, even just before we started recording, I really thrived in actually finding a good community of, you know, fellow Christians, fellow believers and followers of Jesus within the Broadway community. Um, I had a bit of that from people I'd gone to school with, you know, um, who were in the program, we'd sort of found each other and formed friendships. Um, And so those kind of carried over. And I had a few people, specifically, one of my roommates, he had been in New York, um, working in the Broadway scene about a year ahead of me. So then he introduced me to more people who then introduced me to other people. And we actually at um at like Pearl Studios, we started this like Broadway Bible study that we did a little for a little while. Um, we would just rent out a rehearsal studio, and whoever wanted to come could come. And to our surprise, the first time we almost had forty people there, you know. And it was it there was we just started to have this conversation of wow, there's actually a community here um, of believers working within the theater world in New York and specifically the Broadway world let's give them an opportunity to come out and kind of say hello, uh, which was a lot of fun. But for me personally, I think um, I was for the first time in my life, you know, kind of out on my own. I was, you know, living the life of trying to find an apartment in New York and trying to get used to a new city. And so I found myself heavily dependent on God in many, many ways. In hindsight, I was really dependent on God mostly just asking him to bless the work of my hands and what I was doing. You know, it was like, God just helped. Every prayer was just like, God, help me get this show. Help me get this contract. Oh, I got this contract. God, help this rehearsal go well. God, help me find an apartment in a decent place in the city that's near a subway, you know, like whatever it was, Um, which helped, like, was fine at the time. um, But there wasn't a lot of deep sort of union and communion and being present with God, it was, I found myself swept up in the energy of New York City, which I always tell people, New York City is a great place to live if you are a driven, singularly focused person, specifically if that focus is your career. New York is a great place to be because everyone else there is singularly focused in that way. And so you will have no problem being motivated to continue to strive and go for your dreams. Um, which is, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. It was a good thing uh, at the time, but I think it also only allowed me to sort of access my relationship with God in a very one-dimensional, 
God, what can you do for me sort of way. Um, but I didn't necessarily experience any of that. You know, people ask me all the time, was it really hard being in the darkness of the entertainment industry? I didn't really experience that ever. Um, it was more, I noticed it gave me more opportunities. The fact that I was very vocal or public about my faith gave me a lot of opportunities to have conversations that I might not have otherwise had. I found that people were more interested than they were turned off by it most of the time. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, you're in New York, you're on Broadway, you're gaining community, you're living this hustle and bustle. And like you mentioned before, you said that you had totally planned on making performing, acting, musical theater your life. That was the plan. So what kind of prompted this transition from textbook BFA life into these new creative endeavors with your spoken word poetry and your YouTube channel and stuff like that? Yes. So a parallel narrative that was happening at the same exact time as the whole narrative that I just told you about, you know, graduating school, going home for the summer, moving to New York, getting Mamma Mia. A parallel narrative was when I went home for that summer, uh, I started a YouTube channel. And when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel to get a bunch of subs. That wasn't my idea. Back in 2013, YouTube was just the easiest place to upload a video to the internet. I didn't even I don't even think I knew what starting a YouTube channel meant. My one of the things that I did when I would go home each summer is I would work as a camp counselor at this Christian theater summer camp. The best way I can describe it is it's like all the crazy slightly dangerous games and the bad cafeteria food of a summer camp plus the like worship and emotional god high of a Christian camp plus the like crazy loud insane people of a theater camp all of that was kind of crashed into one week um it was awesome i had grown up going to this camp uh when i was in high school and then eventually i became a counselor there and part of my job in addition to being you know a, a dance teacher and an acting teacher and things like that part of my job was also to sort of be a spiritual director that's at least the role that i grew into um and that most of that was to cast vision for the week in terms of what was the direction we were going to go in, in terms of the faith aspect. Um, and then also to not necessarily get up and teach an entire sermon, but to do some pastoral direction right before we went into small groups. And when I was charged with doing that, I was terrified because I was an actor, right? So I had no experience getting up on stage being myself trying to communicate truths of God to people. I got on stage with a, you know, having memorized my lines to portray someone else in a scene with my scene partner. And there just so happened to be people watching. So it was like a totally different thing. And because it freaked me out so much, I decided, okay, I am going to keep it as short as possible. And I'm going to give myself a script. I'm going to write everything down. And I think it was my love for, classical theater and, th and things like Shakespeare and things like that, that caused it to come out what I had written. It caused it to come out with wordplay and rhyme, and it was very poetic in nature. And so one of one year I shared one of these, I just called them pieces at the time, with the students. And afterwards, some students came up to me and they were like, John, we didn't know you did spoken word poetry. And I said, I didn't know either. What is spoken word poetry? 
Um, and I discovered that essentially what I had stumbled into was this spoken word beat poetry scene. Um, and over those four years, those four summers home from college, I probably wrote 20 to 30 pieces and poems for these campers. So then when I graduate and I'm done with this summer job and I'm about to move to New York, I said, you know, I'd love to just take these poems and archive them somewhere so they have a life beyond. And so YouTube, again, was just the easiest place to do that. So I upload these things to YouTube and I actually remember it was the day that I was driving to move in with my aunt and uncle in New Jersey. I got an email from a guy who lived in Florida that said, hey, I found your video and I shared it on our church's Facebook page and it has over 100,000 shares right now. And at this point, the video only had like 15,000 views on YouTube. And sure enough, I go to that church's page and there it is with almost a million views on their Facebook page. And then eventually, slowly over the next week or so, I find several other Facebook pages where the same thing has happened. And eventually those people on Facebook found their way over to the YouTube channel. And before I knew it, I had this somewhat viral YouTube channel that was mainly faith-based on my hands. And so simultaneously, I am exploring a new city and making a Broadway debut and also trying to grow and maintain and figure out what the heck is this faith-based YouTube platform that I now have. Um, and so for the years that I was in Mamma Mia, I sort of split my time. In the evenings, I would go to the show and I'd do the show. And then during the day, I would just make videos. Some of them were more spoken word poems. Some of them were more like short sermons, things like that. But I would just play around um, and try things. And what I started to notice was how much energy I felt when I would make these videos versus how depleted I felt, not just after the show when I would go home, but when I would even just show up to the theater. Um, I loved my chance to perform on Broadway. I feel so lucky to have done it. However, very quickly it began to sort of drain me and I didn't feel this energy and love and excitement. And more importantly, I didn't feel that that's really where God was using me. Um, and we can talk kind of more about that. That was really the main deciding factor. But in terms of narrative, about a year into my time uh, in Mamma Mia, I got injured. I herniated three discs in my lower back and I was out of the show for about six weeks. And during that time, uh, my only responsibility was uh, to get better. And so I had to make it to my physical therapy appointments. But for the first time in a year, I was able to actually accept some of these invitations from churches that have been watching my YouTube videos to come and speak or to come and share a poem live. So I would start like during those six weeks, I did a couple what I now do, which is speaking engagements. And I, that was really when I started to notice the difference. When I stepped off stage in Mamma Mia, I would sneak out the back door so I wouldn't have to go through the signing line and talk to people because I just felt completely dead inside versus when I stepped off the stage after doing a poem or giving a sermon for 25 kids at a youth group, I would hang out for an hour afterwards, talking with them, playing games with them, you know, praying for them, whatever it was. And that was sort of the, the genesis when I started to notice the difference of how I felt and how I felt God using me. That's when I started to discern, okay, maybe there's 
maybe there's a different path to be taken here. Not because the path that I was taking was wrong, but because I wonder if there's a different path that is more aligned with who God created and has called me to be. Yeah, that's so funny to kind of see that and see how God works and how we can totally have this plan for our lives. You know, we can get the degree in musical theater. We can even go on to move to New York and be on Broadway, what a lot of people would consider the big time. You know, you were doing what a lot of people would consider their dream and God called you somewhere else. And he said, you know, I I see your training. I see what you trained to do. I see the commitment you made to yourself of what you thought you were going to be doing for your life. But you know, skirt, we're going to, we're going to go somewhere else. We're going to do something else. Yeah. And there was a ton of, uh, there was a ton of guilt, I think that came along with that for me. Um, because obviously, you know, it's something that I had obviously worked very hard to get to, but also I had like my parents sacrificed a lot in order to send me to school and, you know, and help me pay for that. I had friends who would have killed for the opportunity to you know, be at the place that I was at so quickly out of school. And yet here I was, you know, within two years, just walking away from it completely. Um, There was a lot of like guilt and insecurity during those next like six months after the show closed. And I kind of made the decision to move on. Um, Yeah, it was a little, it was definitely a, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so faithful and I'm so confident in this decision. No, it did not feel like that at the time at all. Totally. Um, It's actually funny that you say that because one of the things I was excited to ask you about was your spoken word poetry. And in one particular piece called Not Qualified, you wrote it in 2013. um, And I'm just going to like read a little bit of it for our listeners. I am not going to deliver it as eloquently as you do. (laughs) It'll probably be better. (laughs) No, no, I promise I won't, but I'm going to give it my best go. (laughs) Um, So in Not Qualified, you said, you see, I can't and won't and don't claim to be perfect. In fact, most times I'm not even good. I'll take responsibility for the mistakes I've made and the hurts I've caused. I've got more than I probably should. But would God use that against me, making good coming from my life impossible? forgive me, but refuses to use me. I don't believe in that gospel. So when I saw that, it just really struck a chord with me. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what this meant for you at the time. I know you're talking specifically in regards to past wrongs that make you unqualified, but I would love to hear too, on a different hand of the coin of what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't feel qualified because of what we were talking about earlier, just maybe they don't feel like they're in the position to be putting forth their best work or they didn't go to a super well-known program or they don't feel like they're able to make those connections or they don't feel like their calling is being affirmed. Mm. So yeah, I would love to just know kind of where that came from for you and what you would say to someone who's maybe going through some of those things. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The, the, the piece itself um, came more from uh, this place of feeling inadequate in terms of, um, spiritually, you know, to be, to be used by God, um, mostly because of just mistakes in my personal life and, and struggles that I had had all throughout, you know, growing up and then through college, um, and then all of a sudden I sort of found myself with this 
platform and people were watching my videos and looking to me as this spiritual authority. But then I also had these people from my past who were like, wait a minute, what about when you did this? Or what about when you said this? Or what about when you treated this person this way? And the piece was really born out of this idea, out of this struggle and this journey that I went on to reconcile how do I come to a place where I am, I fully reckon with the mistakes, as I say there, the mistakes I've made, the hurts I've caused. I fully reckon with that. I try and make amends where I can. Um, I go to God and and repent of that and try and live a different way. How do I come to a place where I reckon with that, but I also don't allow that to limit me as I move forward? Um and that so the piece was really written from a very spiritual perspective, and I think it applies obviously in that way, and that's where I've really applied it to my life. But what has been interesting is people have also applied it in so many other ways to specifically, as you were saying, uh, oftentimes we feel not qualified because of mistakes that we've made, but other times we can feel not qualified from a career perspective because of where we come from whether like you're saying whether it's the school we went to or didn't go to or the opportunities we've had or have been afforded or whatever it is um and i guess what i would say to that and i think this is the heart of the piece as well is that it really doesn't matter where we come from what matters most is that there is a god who is calling you to something and if it if it truly is that God has called you to it, then it doesn't matter where you come from, because God is all about, chiefly, throughout the entirety of Scripture, any time we see a movement of God, it is almost always done through a human being. That is how God has chosen, for whatever reason, to work and move in the world. Um, and to bring about goodness and beauty and art and creativity and joy, all the things that we try and do through theater and bring to people, God has chosen, again, for whatever reason, to do that through people. And most of the time, what earlier in the poem, if you go back and listen to it, what that poem recounts is that each and every person that we find in the Bible outside of Jesus, who God worked through, was in some way not qualified, was in some way, whether because of, like me, mistakes that they've made in the past and, and, and sin that they feel has limited them, or because of a, an example you're talking about, simply because of their upbringing or simply because of circumstances, those people in their own way felt not qualified or unqualified for God to use them, and yet it wasn't about where they came from. It was about what God was calling them to and how God was going to work through them. It wasn't about what they had done. It was more about what God was going to do. And I think that's the heart of the piece is reckoning and reckoning with our past and where we come from, um, but then also not allowing that to limit what God might potentially do through us in the future. Yeah, I love that. You actually talk a little bit about that in the book you wrote called Created to Create, And I was doing some research, reading a little bit of that the other day, and you discuss sort of this innate calling or this divine responsibility we have because God ultimately is, you know, the greatest creator. And in the beginning of the book, you have a section where you talk about um, finding your why and you sort of pose 
these three questions. Uh, you ask, what keeps you up at night? What wrongs need to be righted? What situation gives a rise to righteous anger within you? And where do you look at the world and say to yourself, something is missing here? So I actually guess it's four questions. But I love that those are the questions you asked because, you know, when I was growing up, I kind of always felt like I was living these two different lives or kind of in these two different communities of my theater friends and my church friends. And, you know, this could have been completely only my experience, but I always felt like I was existing in a tension between the two communities and my church or school friends would be like, are you sure you want to pursue this? Like theater is such a dark world. And it was something that was weird to me because I never felt like it was a dark place. And so I would love for you to just talk a little bit about, you know, creation as vocation and kind of writing the issues of the world as Christians without just like, you know, producing God's spell over and over. Right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I Yeah, I think I think you're sort of you're hitting the nail right on the head there um, in terms of I think specifically what that passage from the book is is communicating that you were saying um, is that God God calls us in many different ways and it's us- and it's usually not in the ways that we've been taught you know and it's usually not in the ways that we often hear people share about it you know it's oftentimes at least in my experience and in my life God hasn't called me by thundering down a voice from heaven or writing something in the sky and the clouds. That's not how he's done it. The call of God in my life has been, has been different. It's been quieter. It's been a bit more subtle and it's also been more personal. Um, oftentimes, uh, it's from within me and it's always based on something that I'm familiar with, but I'm not attributing it to God. Let me give an example. That question of what keeps you up at night or what makes you angry, what wrong in the world do you see? And you say someone has to do something about that. Oftentimes, we just attribute that to, gosh, this is a pet peeve of mine, or gosh, this is something that just makes me so mad, or this is what I rant about on Instagram late at night. That's what we attribute it to. But I, I think it's more as as followers of Jesus, it's more about redirecting that and saying, oh, this area of frustration and righteous anger, that's actually the voice of God and the Spirit of God working within me and calling me to be the person to do something about it. You know, it's like, it's that classic thing where you come to that point where for the 10th time in a row, you've looked at whatever that thing is and you said, someone needs to do something about it. And then you turned and you realized that that person is you. Um, and so I think that that is sort of a, a, a misconception that we have, um, or maybe just uh, how we limit the way that God calls us. I think through our frustrations or through, um, through our own experiences and where we have felt empty um, or where the areas in our lives where we have felt left out, I think God often calls us into a future where we can kind of um, serve the needs that we felt in our past, you know? So for you, for example, I think that's exactly like you starting this podcast and trying to bridge this gap between faith and, and sort of our work as performing artists, that is you trying to heal the wound of like younger Emma, you know what I mean? Um, that's you trying to fulfill the need that you felt for so long. And I think as, as 
followers of Jesus and as performers, that's what we can seek to do. And that's what gives our work meaning. And I, I actually think that should direct or that should be a massive factor in what projects you say yes to. I know, trust me, like work is scarce and, you know, not everyone gets thrust into a Broadway show five months out of school on luck like I did, but like you got to pay the bills. All that is true. But, you know, I think then a step beyond that is like, do I say yes to this project? Because does it help me to further the work that I believe God has called me to do in the world? Whatever that is, you know, maybe you grew up in an environment where it was a really tough home life and you didn't really have a lot of joy and fun. And you're like, all I want to do is just make people laugh and make people smile, you know? So that should guide the types of projects that you audition for, the types of projects that you end up doing, the types of projects that you yourself create when you're not getting any contracts or, you know, you're not getting called back or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's more of um, allowing that to sort of be, that that righteous frustration that we see, whatever that is for you, I think allowing that to be a guide, not just in, you know, our times of prayer when we're alone, but allowing that be, that voice of God to be a guide in our careers as well, um, because God wants to work through, you know, the person in the chorus or the person who is doing that regional contract for you know, 12 weeks, just as much as God wants to work through me on Sunday morning when I get up and teach in front of a congregation now. It's just, it's just a little bit different. I did a, I was doing an Instagram live yesterday on 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about the body of Christ, you know, and performers and entertain, entertainment artists or whatever you want to, actors, whatever you want to call them, people in that industry are a vital part of the body of Christ. There's a reason that, you know, over 60% of the Bible is story, you know. What do we do as performing artists besides tell stories that invite people to think about their lives differently or to escape their lives or, or to think about themselves differently, to think about their neighbor differently? All of that is ministry, you know. We just don't often in the church give it credit for that. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Um Okay, so John, I want to give our listeners the inside scoop on how to follow you and glean your wisdom outside of this podcast. But before we end, I always like rounding things off with this question. So right now in your current life, whatever that looks like for you right now, what is something you are learning to be true and what is something you are learning to be false? Hmm, this is a great question. I love that. You know, whether that's, during this crazy pandemic or in your career or with everything being online now. Yeah. Just anything you've got to share with us. Yeah. I'll, I'll tie, I'll tie this a bit to something I was, I was talking about a little bit earlier um, when I was kind of telling the story of where my faith was when I first moved to New York. Um, And I'll, I'll flip your question if that's okay and answer the second part first. What I, what I am learning to be false is, and when I say I am learning, I mean I've been learning for the last several years, um, but learning it more and more each day, is that my 
inherent value and worth as a as a human being and for me that means um as a husband that means um as a now bible teacher that means for me as a friend as a son um and as a follower of jesus i'm learning something that is false is that my worth does not come from the work that i do first and foremost it doesn't come from what i produce um that's just something that i often struggle with especially as a as a performer when you know for so many years of my life you're literally judged on the work that you produce each and every day you walk in there and you're told whether it's good enough or it's not good enough. You know, even after you get the job, what do you do? You do a performance and your stage manager comes up to you afterwards with three notes because you missed these words in this line or whatever it is, you know? Um, and so for many years I was conditioned to equate my worth as a human being with how well I performed. And I'm learning that that is not true. And instead, what I'm learning to be true and what I feel God is speaking to me over and over again is, John, you could never do anything ever again. Like you can never produce any other videos. You could never teach another sermon. You could never do any more work. You could stop today and never be productive ever again. And it wouldn't change a thing about how I feel about you, about the love that I have for you. You could never reach your goals, John. And I would still love you the same. And that, I think, is not just true for God, but it is true for the people in our lives that matter most to us. I know that's true for my family. I know that's true for my wife. I know that's true for my inner circle of friends. And I think that's a that's a good, hopefully encouraging word to the audience of this show. Because like we said, so, so many, like to, to enter into this field, the field of performance is to have dreams and aspirations and to want to get to the next level and to get the next contract and all that stuff. It's so good to have those, to have those goals. But I, I think we pursue them in a healthy way when they come from this centered place of, even if that never happens, I am okay. And I am content because I know I have the love of the people and the God that matters most. Because the then the rest of it is icing. Then the rest of it is truly a blessing rather than an expectation. Then I can truly celebrate rather than just wipe my brow because, whew, I didn't fail. You know, to know I'm, I was just reading Psalm 23 this morning because I'm doing a video on it this Friday of like, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Yeah. Right where I'm at. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that too with Psalm 23 because the first sermon I actually heard at Soul City was on Psalm 23 and I had never heard I lack nothing as the translation before. I had always heard, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, which in my mind was like, okay, I shall not want, I should be content, I should be good. And Mm -hmm. hearing, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, that like totally blew my mind. You'll understand this as an actor. It's like, I shall not want is sort of like phrasing your objective in a negative sense, you know, which you should never do. Um, But instead, I lack nothing is that's not even an objective. That's just a reality. Right. You know? Yeah, totally. So, okay, John, tell our listeners 
how they can find you, how they can keep up with you, how they can follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We talked a lot about my YouTube channel. That YouTube channel still exists. I upload new videos every single Friday, um, mostly short teaching videos now. Um, so you can find me on YouTube if you just search my name, John Jorgensen, um, or you can type in who you are. Uh, you'll get a Jesse J song and then you'll get my video. Um, <laughs> that's just sort of how it is. Uh, then you can also follow me on Instagram. Instagram has sort of um, turned into my blog of sorts. I used to have a blog when I lived in New York, um, but Instagram has sort of transformed into that. So that's where I share a lot of just what I'm learning um, and kind of things that God is teaching me. Uh, so I encourage you to follow me at either of those places. And I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Yes. Oh, yes, John. Yeah, I thanks. thought I'd say it so you wouldn't have to. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, please like and subscribe. <laughs> you know, you I know do. how it goes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, John, for being on the show today, for sharing your heart, sharing your wisdom. We just so appreciate you being here. Yeah, and I want to, I, before we, like, stop or anything, on while this is still recording, I, I do want to thank you and encourage you, Emma. I think this is, we were saying before, I can't believe that something like this doesn't already exist. Um, but you have to know that you are not the only person who has felt that tension that you were talking about earlier of not only how do I marry the gifts and talents that I believe God has given me as a performer with my faith and my pursuit of God, but also how do I find other people that are trying to do that? And I have so much respect for people who like, again, we were talking about earlier, who see that there's a hole in the world. And instead of turning to other people and asking who's going to fill it, they just raise their hand and say, I'm going to be the one to do it. Or at least I'm going to start and we'll see what happens. So thank you for saying yes to that and to taking a risk and stepping out because the world needs more people like that. Thanks, John. You're the bomb. No, I, I don't think so. But thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone, there you have it. Um, we just wanted to take a second to thank John so much for coming on the show, for sharing his heart, for sharing about calling and what it looks like to, you know, step into obedience, whether or not that looks like what we thought it was going to look like um, and for inspiring us to use our gifts and use what God created us to do as the creator um, to create and what that looks like as performing artists. So we just wanted to thank him please 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 give him a follow on social media at john jorgensen make sure you follow his youtube page his podcasts just support him as um a fellow creator and one of our brothers in christ and so i'm just going to take a second and pray over us for what we talked about today dear jesus we thank you so much for our brother in christ god we thank you for his words of wisdom we thank you for his willingness to share his heart and to step into the calling that you have for him. God, I pray that we will also have the boldness to step into what you have for us, whether that is lining up with what we thought we had for ourselves or whether that is stepping into something completely new and taking a leap of faith. God, we are grateful for you and we love you. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. 
We release new episodes the first and third Monday of the month. For more information on what we're up to, follow us on Instagram at InwayBWay.